Good morning, this is Dr. The Reverend Dr. R.T. with Colored River Connections Podcast. Coming live from my Atlanta studio. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas holiday. But my mind is on the COVID victims, the families that lost loved ones over the holiday in this past week. I want to start with the words of a songwriter, Billy Boyd, The Last Goodbye. I have a lot of information to share with you this morning concerning the land theft. I saw the light fade from the sky. On the wind, I heard a sigh. As the snowflakes covered my fallen brothers, I will say this last goodbye. Night is now falling, so ends this day. The road is now calling and I must away. Over the hill, under the tree, through lands where never light has shone, by the silver streams that run down to the sea, under cloud beneath the stars, over snow and winter's morn, I turn at last the path that leads home. And though where the road then takes me, I cannot tell. We came all this way, but now comes the day to bid you farewell. Many places I have seen, many sorrows I have seen, but I don't regret nor will I forget all that who took that road with me. Night is now falling, so ends this day. The road is now calling, and I must away. Over hill and under tree, through the lands where never light has shone, by the silver streams that run down to the sea, to the memories I will hold. With your blessings, I will go. To turn at last to the path that leads home. And though where the road then takes me, I cannot tell. We came all this way, but now comes the day to bid you farewell. I bid you all a very fond farewell. Powerful words to the song. The last goodbye sung by Billy Boyd. Words of inspiration. Food for the soul. With Americans losing so many loved ones to COVID-19 virus, We continue to pray for the families 
who are preparing to bury their dead, their loved ones. May the God of peace deliver them from the sorrow and pain, the suffering, and place hope and happiness back in their lives. Ezekiel 37 says, 37.1, The hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. In 1972, I was chosen to preach and write the story of the stolen land in Texas. The valley that God set me down in was the state of Texas. The bones are my ancestors who carried, who carried the Henderson blood of the white immigrant from Ireland, Hugh Henderson, and the black slave woman from Madagascar, Africa, Zilly Ann. From 1972 to today's podcast, The Stolen Inheritance, or a better title, The Land That Cries, along with The Stolen Inheritance. Sometimes the truth can hurt, and sometimes it hurts to know the truth. For years, Dr. E. Henderson, Lawson, and myself have been investigating about the white land theft in Texas. And it's a crime as of this day that has never been answered. It's been 100 years ago since the alleged theft took place in an all-white courtroom in Fairfield, Texas. Now the information that we gathered over the years came from white people in the courtroom they collected this information, I guess, for historical reasons. But over the years, we have collected all this information. And we have placed it in a book called Colored River. Since the meeting with my grandmother, Annie Beatrice Charles Henderson, in her Los Angeles kitchen, I was destined that day to find the truth of our ancestors' stolen land and the stolen inheritance. I was 22 years old, just married, 
had not yet received my BA degree from Albany State College. And the prophetic call into ministry had not yet been materialized. I did know that God was in control of my life. But as I reflect back over my life, over the years, the prophecy from grandmother has come true. I did graduate from Albany State and I graduated from the University of Phoenix. I graduated from the Morehouse School of Religion, the ITC, and received my doctorate from the United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. With all of this, I continued to research about the stolen land. It seemed to be in my blood to find out what happened. So as I look back over my teaching career as an art instructor in the state of Georgia, in 17 years in the Atlanta City School System, the 37 years of teaching, the 32 years of preaching and pastoring. I always knew that my life would lead back to Texas. As my wisdom grew, my vision increased, the stolen land and the inheritance was always close to my heart. Well, one Christmas morning in 1989, God moved on my heart. And God was about to change my proximity from Georgia to Texas to the land God was taking my body, my mind, and my soul to a place of the valley of dry bones. The place where my ancestors were buried in the Bethel Cemetery outside of Bethel, Texas. As I look back over the last 40 years, my life concerning Texas was a transformation process was in my spirit. As I tried to capture the history of Texas, the truth of the stolen land and my inheritance, I witnessed people in my family dying before my eyes. My cousin Napoleon died of kidney failure, which I have today. My Aunt Leah 
was murdered in her home. My Aunt Lynn died in Houston. My grandmother, Annie Childs, passed away in Los Angeles, California. My mother died in Ann Arbor. I eulogized my mother. One of the hardest things I have ever done. My sisters, Brenda, died in South Carolina. Linda died in Atlanta. Wanda died in Ann Arbor. Their memories are so dear to me, but they're always in my heart. And I too shall meet them in glory one year in the future. The kidney failure that came upon my life in 2008 was a painful disease. I guess one Sunday I'll speak about that toward people who have kidney failure, kidney disease, and who are on dialysis. But in 2014, I received a kidney transplant from a person I never knew and had never met. My life changed one early morning in 2018 when I visited Ancestry.com and I met my first cousin, Dr. E. Henderson Lawson. And we began a series of conversations and historical family Texas research. When all was done, we had a book in our hands called Colored River. Since 2018, we have continued our quest for the truth. And I will share some of that truth with you today. And this truth reveals a land that cries. The truth of racism and fraud and conspiracy and theft that orchestrated by a group of white men who disrupted the lives of 35 black farmers in Anderson and Freestone County, Texas. I guess that you want to know what happened in the next several podcasts 
I will share with you valuable information. Some of this will be used in the court of law in a civil rights case, hopefully in the 2021. We'll get some attorneys with us and take this crime of fraud and conspiracy to court on behalf of our ancestors who have died and are buried now but we shall become their voice in Colored River and tell their story. I want to do this several ways this morning. I want to ask me some questions and answer them. Was the land stolen? Yes. Who stole the land? Answer, a group of white men that we call the Alliance. Can you give us their name, the alleged perpetrators of this land theft? I think that the first one, who I think is the major one, because my family often talked about this person, I heard his name as I was growing up. It's Fred E. Hill. Judge A.M. Blackman. Judge W.R. Boyd. Businessman, Mr. A.A. Jane. Landowner, Mr. P.D.C. Ball. And Mr. R.N. Compton. These are the names of the people who who stole the land. I need to introduce you to the voices of truth. There are some documents I want to read that will help us in the direction of the theft that happened and why it happened and when it happened in Freestone in Anderson County, Texas. The first letter, and I might not can get through with this today, but I'm going to do my best to build a foundation, came from Annie Mae Henderson, my aunt, who lived in Ann Arbor, who once was born in Oakwood, Texas. May the 10th, 1989, she writes a letter to her dear cousin Alma and others. Greetings in the precious name of our Savior Jesus Christ. I have kept in memory through the years, something that even at this time should be related first to this person who I believe is the grandson of Fred Hill. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit reveals what I have to say 
to him. After Grandpa Jim Henderson passed, I do not remember how much time had expired. That is, how long Papa William and Mama Annie remained in the house on the spot that Grandpa Jim Henderson had given us. She's talking about land. The land they they grew up on. The land that Jim Henderson owned. But I do remember hearing Papa William and Mama Annie saying something to this effect concerning the land that Grandpa Jim did not leave the deeds or whatever other papers there were with the boys. Meaning the Henderson sons. And we'll come back to that later. But that Jim Henderson, their father, had trusted these papers in the hands of a man named Fred Hill. This comes from my Aunt May. Very sincere, honest, religious person. Then, I want to come to a segment of our book, Colored River, page 29. Alma writes about, it all began with a little slave girl named Zilly brought to America on a slave ship from Africa. She gave birth to two sons. The first one was by another slave. The older son was named George. The younger son was named James Jim Henderson, the son of a slave owner, which is Hugh Henderson. George was sold to a slave owner named Solomon when he got to Texas. So George's name became George Solomon. Hugh, he came to Texas, immigrant from Ireland, and Carol Baker in her letter May the 3rd, 1989, to my aunt, Annie. She says, and I have read this letter a couple of times before, but it's necessary to read it again and share this information with my podcast listeners. You don't know me, but I would like to introduce myself. My name is Kara Baker. I have been working very close here lately with some of your kinfolks and doing research on Jim Henderson and his family. First thing that I would like to say is that Jim Henderson and his children were done a great injustice. The things that were 
done to these men and women horrified me to a point that I had a terrible time trying to deal with the shame. The shame is still there, but with the help of Alma and Curtis, they're my cousins, I have learned to deal with it. When I say shame, I mean that I could not understand how one of my own kind, a white person, could do to another human being that was done to these people. The men that did these things are still alive and justice needs to be be done. I have found just about all the information that we need to take this to court, but I desperately need your help. I beg you to tell me the story that your mother told you. If she wrote this on paper, we need a copy. We are so close, closer than it has ever been before. I will tell you my story from what I have found, but I ask that you please tell me your mother's. You have our key to get this to court. From what I understand, Jim Henderson, was born to a white man named Hugh Henderson and a black woman named Zilly Ann Henderson. He brought, bought her and her two sons in Georgia. I know that Jim was his only son and the heir to this great land. I don't know anything about Jim's mother except her name. I was told that by another Henderson. I have nothing with her name on it and will probably never have anything because the first black census was taken in 1870. And Jim and his wife Nancy are on that as well as some of their children, including one that I assume had died and his name is Eliza. He was only one when this census was taken. I know just about everything I need to know about Hugh Henderson. He came to the Republic in 1832 from Virginia and was of Irish descent. From 1832 to 1835, he lived in Harrison County. From 1835 to 18. 39, he fought in the Battle of San Jacinto. His pay from that was a bounty of land. A body of land was 640 acres. This land was approved by the Texas Land Grant Office in 1845. Some of the old timers refer it as the landmark. So I assume that this is what your father meant by the landmark is still there. You see, there are still a few things that I don't know and I need your help. I know that Jim was born on this land and his children were raised on this land. 
I believe that the land is almost 494.5 acres, including 1,160 of Bloom Farm, and each of the children had 150 acres apiece. There were 11 surviving children, so that was a lot of land. Land rich in oil, minerals, ignite coal and fuel, and others. The letter goes on to say that Wesley, the son of Jim and Nancy, was sent to prison in 1889 for stealing hogs, and they killed him in prison. He's around the age of 22. And then Jehu, I want to read his death in another letter that comes from Maddie Davis. In her letter, she says, in 1915, Fred Hill and Mr. Compton and others went to black homes and told them to leave. They claimed to be the owners. The Henderson family put up a fight and wouldn't leave. The Hills and the Comptons came back a second time and this time they succeeded. I am told they were all so afraid they would go in and out of the house. The white people were running them out of their own houses, off the land they had lived in for so many years. Now that 1915 date is important because that's the same time that the Ku Klux Klan came on the land of my grandfather's in my grandmother's house in Oakwood and beat my grandfather up, put a rope around his neck and drug him down a dirt road for miles. And when they brought him back early that morning, his white shirt was bloody. He had a large, long, cut on his neck going down to his chest bruises on his eyes mouth cut swollen my grandmother says that before they left the white people hollered get off the land get off the land So Jehu was killed by Officer Burlington and his posse in that Freestone County Jail. I believe it was outside of uh, Fairfield. But they said that Jehu knew what Fred Hill was up to. 
And Fred Hill's father, Dr. Hill, lived next to Jim Henderson for years. So in terms of proximity, Jim knew who Fred Hill was, was his next door neighbor. And I guess he trusted Fred Hill. I don't know why, but he did because he gave him the deeds of his children. But the deeds were, the deeds are not good unless you sign the deed over your ownership to another. And this was never done. So they decided if they won't sign the deeds over, we'll kill them. And they started the process of killing Jim and Nancy's children. The trial in 1901 took place when Dubronner, the heirs of Dubronner, took Jim Henderson to court and claimed he was a squatter. Now, Jim Henderson was 18 years old when he fell in love with Nancy Allen. She was 15. And Nancy Allen was born not too far from where I stay, around Macon, Georgia. And he took Nancy to their home, which he built and fenced in 20,000 acres of land. And this land was located on the A.Y. Aguilera survey. That's important. And on that land was a large lake called Evans Lake. Jim had a house. He would fish there. He lived there on that land, west of the Trinity River, bottom. That's important. And this is the land that they took. Now, I had discovered the heirs of Pretty Hill. I have now created a name, the Fred E. Hill Company. And then they created another name, the Hill Ranch. And I have documents now pertaining to where Jim used to live. It now says that Freddie Hill lives there. And I will be sharing this information next week. I'm presenting evidence of the great land theft conspiracy in Texas history. But Jim was taken to court in 1901 and he won that case in 1901. 
And uh, it was Judge Kyle who heard the case and said that Dubonner heirs did not have enough information to exclude and take Jim Henderson and Nancy from their property. So Dubonner appealed that ruling from Judge Cobb and in 1904 now this is when the Jim Crow was active in Texas they took it to a higher court and it was heard by Judge Booklet and Judge Booklet agreed with the ruling that Judge Cobb dealt for and Jim Henderson and the other black farmers that were called to that case were entitled to continue to live on the land west of the Trinity River bottom. And that was in abstract two of A.Y. Aguilera's survey. Then you say the deeds that Jim gave to Fred Hill to keep, how did Jim Henderson get the deeds? He didn't make them up himself. They said he was illiterate and he couldn't write. So we know that wasn't possible. But in the early 1870s, E.A. Mahaya, and that's another podcast, came to the A.Y. Aguilera on behalf of the Missouri heir to look at the land. And when he came, he located many black farmers farming and living and raising their families on the land west of the Trinity River. And he decided that each farmer that had a house, fenced-in property, were now the owners of the land they were farming. And he gave each one of them deeds, papers of ownership to the land that was on Anderson and Freestone County, Texas. And he filed these papers in the Freestone County Courthouse. Ian Mahaya died in, I think, 1889. And when he died, the Alliance, a group of white men, judges, attorney, sheriff, plotted to steal the land of these black farmers. And they went ahead with their plan. Now, 100 years later, we now have paperwork provided by the court. God is so good to give us this information. Because for years we were wondering what exactly happened. 
why was this land stolen? So in the next couple of podcasts, I will reveal the ones who stole it and why. And it was in the courtroom of Texas that it was stolen. And it was because of fraud. Illegal documents. You know, I have thoughts now of my Aunt Leah before she passed. She had called me from Austin, Texas. She's at the land office along with Carol Baker and they wouldn't let her in but they let Carol Baker into the office to collect information. And she had told me she was going to send me documents pertaining to what happened. And she kept her word. I received a stack of documents in a large yellow folder from the post office. And when I received them, I got a call from my mother who lived in Mahia, Texas, not too far from where Aaliyah stayed, headed toward the old Woodland School, a school for black students, all black teachers, all black board education. Reminds you of Spelman, the Spelman School and the Morehouse School to educate these black students. Not by white teachers, but black teachers. It was very important. And she had sent me the information about the stolen land. We couldn't put it all in the book. It's too much. But when we get to court, I will reveal that information on what Aunt Leah sent to me. I loved Aunt Leah. She used to tell me she would go fishing at Evans Lake. And she said that there's a large oak tree that inscribed an oak tree was Hugh and Zillian names. She was comfortable because she said that was the land that she was supposed to inherit from Jim and Nancy Allen. And uh, Jim and Nancy, that's another podcast. There's so much information I would love to share and will share in weeks to come. The Dr. R.T. Colored River Connections. On that note, I will see you next Sunday again. Was giving you information about Evans Lake and the Freddie Hill Company.
and oil companies and the mineral companies that came on my grandfather's land and became millionaires. I don't know what 2021 is going to reveal in terms of our book, Colored River, and the land theft by these white men. But if we do nothing, we can't complain. So we will take it to court. Whether we win or lose, we will let people know what happened. And let the oil people know what happened. And the heirs of Pretty Hill, they're still living on the land today. And they're making thousands and thousands of dollars each week from oil, petroleum, from minerals. And they receive these rights from Freddie Hill, their father and their grandfather. But Freddie Hill stole our inheritance from Jim and Nancy Allen Henderson's children. And I am the fourth generation along with my cousin and others who have the blood running in their veins of the white man from Ireland and the black slave woman from Madagascar. Wear your mask, be safe. I'll see you next Sunday. Thank you.